Somebody gave me on my birthday deathbed. I am smelling like the rose that somebody gave me because I'm dead and bloated. Welcome back to Sunday Groove. Sorry for making you listen to my quick attempt at a Scott Wallen vocals, but this is episode 39. Um, and we're here, as you probably figured out from the intro, um, <laughs> to talk about Stone Temple Pilots. Um, I have my friend and frequent co-host, Andy Helene, on the show. How are you doing, man? I am great. I got a lot of coffee in me, and I got a pot of chili um, going on the crock pot, so it's going to be a good day. Yeah, I got some unhealthy food that I got from the grocery store to enjoy later today, so um, it's going to be a good one for here, too. Um, (laughs) So, um, yeah, this is episode 39. Um, as I always do, I'll tell you real quick, uh, if you want to reach out to me on social media, it's Sunday underscore groove underscore on Twitter and Sunday groove dot Lillo L I L L O on Instagram. Um, it's on the Lillo podcasting network that you can find on Spotify, Podbean, Apple podcast. I'm not sure if anywhere else, but obviously you probably already found it since you're listening to it, unless you click the link, but Anyway, um, we're going to talk about Stone Temple Pilots, uh, and we'll have a special spin on that. But as always, I'm going to start with a little segment called Current Spins um, that just talks about either new music we're listening to or just something that we're obsessed with besides the topic of the episode. So, Andy, since you're a guest, do you have any um, current spins? Uh, Yeah, there's something that came out about two weeks ago. I think I've mentioned the band called Haunt um, before, mm-hmm. um, and they've got a few albums out, or it's actually one guy that's like the mastermind that records everything. His name's like Trevor, but anyways, he has a few albums under this uh, band, and then now he decided to uh, record like acoustic versions, and I think it's like Unplugged Volume 1, and uh, mm-hmm. so there's eight eight songs that I guess were already featured on other albums. And now we just did uh, these unplugged versions. And um, I've been really digging it the last like two weeks that it's been out. Nice. Yeah. I've, um, I, you told me about it and I downloaded it to my phone on Spotify so I could listen to it when I didn't have internet, but then I got distracted and forgot to ever go back to it. I actually forgot. I knew there were a few albums you told me about that were coming out that I got distracted with them and not that one after all <laughs> but i'll definitely check it out because i remember um a couple of their albums i've really dug uh let's see which one is it uh flashback 
and what was the other one? Uh, Beautiful Distraction. Yeah, that's uh, those are like the two uh, most recent ones because I think Beautiful Distraction was out back in the spring, and Flashback was last summer, and that was when I actually jumped aboard and like found out about the band through a friend and stuff. So, yeah, I remember you found them from through a friend, and then you mentioned them on A sides and uh, checked them out after that. Well, cool. I have been I revisited an album by a band called Broken Love, and it's spelled weird, so I'll spell it for you. It's B-R-K-N and then Love, L-O-V-E. They're a band that I heard about, I think, two years ago or a year and a half ago. They were going to open for, I think, Ultra Bridge before COVID, Um, but they were going to open for somebody, so that's how I heard of them. And so I listened to their debut album and really loved it uh, in 2020, and then late 2020, they did a, released a deluxe edition that had um, uh, three or f- no four new tracks on there that I really like. But then they've um, stuff like broke, not sorry, not broken, buried, crush, river, and bleeding are all really good. That's the newer song. But they have a brand new song called Dead Weight that I really really like. It, I can't put my finger on who they remind me of because. Um, like musically at times they make me think of um it's just gonna be one of my brain dead days uh (laughs) royal blood um but uh they there's another band in there that that, that i'm thinking of but i cannot think of them maybe it will come to me but yeah they're they're a fun band they're a very young band uh from canada and thanks to tour announcements is how i heard of them and started following them. Huh, I don't think I've heard of them, but I just wrote down the uh, name. You said it's B-R-K-N and then Love? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll yeah. try to check them out. Yeah, it's um, it's very fun, um, alternative, kind of heavy rock. Um, and he's got a really good voice. Um, some rock, you know, is just kind of hit or miss vocally, but I like his uh, vocals a lot. There was a lyric that really stood out to me. I was wanting to say it correctly, but uh, since they're a small band, I'm not getting a, a lyric hit. Um, um, so basically, do they uh, only have the one album, or do they have like? Yeah. As far as I know, they just have the one album. That's all that's on Spotify. Um, yeah, when they released the deluxe edition, I don't think they ever actually released it physically. I think it was just digitally and on Spotify. Uh, it was there. Um, I think it was just during COVID they got bored and inspired and recorded four new songs that didn't make the initial debut album. Um, but basically there's, there's a line in there that's like basically wishing he could make his um, thoughts stop. And I'm like, yeah, I can relate to that with somebody with anxiety. The just wish I could shut my brain down occasionally. Um, not in the way of me forgetting things on this episode, but just <laughs> not worrying about things that I don't need to worry about. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's a, uh, they're a fun band. I, I really like them. I listened to them a lot when it came out. And then, like I said, thanks to the new song, I went back to it and listened to it a couple times this week. Hmm. So do you have anything else new that you've been listening to? I'm like all over the place always, but um, mm-hmm. uh, so I've been kind of behind 
on uh, some other um, new releases, but I did uh, listen to uh, the new uh, Tremonti a lot, which you talked about on the last episode, and I'm really digging it too. Nice. Do you have any favorite song off of it? Oh man, it's kind of hard to narrow down. Okay, but like, maybe like the uh, uh, title track is pretty good, and then yeah. the one I can't think of it. Like I got the the chorus in my head. Um, I think it's like "Let That Be Us." Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one. It's a good one for sure. Yeah, I, I I've liked all the Tremonti albums, but I, I love that he keeps growing with each album and doing new stuff. Um, cause like the first album was a incredible debut all it was, but it was kind of, kind of ran together after a while. Yeah. Um, whereas I don't feel his later ones did. And I love that about them. Um, cause I know Cauterize and Dusty started doing, um, more melodic and, uh, like at least one song on each album that was more vocally driven and, I don't know. I just, I love that, um, that he's growing as a songwriter and as a vocalist. Um, cause I had no clue that he actually, um, when he writes stuff, he sings, he always has. That's actually funny. I read an interview with him where he, he doesn't like writing in the same room as anybody. Cause he's very self conscious when he's singing the, um, choruses originally like even if it's an alter bridge song he might be singing it in falsetto so he just prefers to kind of do that on his own and then only present it once he's finished which kind of explains why well that and their busy schedules of why he and uh miles typically come in with a lot of ideas on their own and then they piece them together Because I can imagine it would be intimidating to go in and sing in front of Miles with his amazing voice. And Marks is great, but, I mean, he's not, he doesn't have Miles' voice, um, who can probably hit every note there is. Yeah, like, you know what? I guess, like you said, if they kind of write parts and then piece them together, they were probably, like, basically everybody's doing that now during the pandemic. They were almost ahead of the game because that seemed to be how they worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah well... Yeah, because once Miles started putting out albums with Slash and touring with Slash, you know, he's on the road so much, and Tremonti was doing his solo albums, so it's just, it made sense. Um, let's just record where we are and um, send those ideas to each other and then hit the studio when we can, maybe do a couple songs at a time. But, you know, they don't, they don't have a lot of downtime because they're always putting out new material. Yeah. So another band, I think I might have mentioned them a couple months back, but... Finally, the full-length album came out, and that is Silk Sonic, uh, which is Bruno Mars and Andrew Peck or Pock. I'm not 100% sure. I think it's Anderson. Is his first name Oh, sorry, Anderson. Yeah, did I say Andrew? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's Anderson. Um, And it's even got uh, Bootsy Collins, which was, I think, from the Parliament Funk Adelic. But he is just hilarious with him doing some intros to all the songs. Um, and so I, I, I know I texted Andy this, that it's kind of like a mixture of um, some good funk. So There's a one song that has a little Red Hot Chili Peppers vibe on the guitars, and then Outkast, and then even a little bit of Rick James kind of feel. So it's a very fun album. Um, I'm a little sad that it's only nine tracks, and one of those is just the intro. But... 
at the very least, you can say at least it doesn't overstay its welcome. So that's good. Hmm. But it's it's very fun. I I like it. My favorite probably is Fly as Me. Um, and um, it just has some really catchy vocals, um, good music, and then some funny uh, lyrics at times. What was the other one? Was it uh, After Last Night? Had some really funny or maybe it's seven seven seven. Either whatever. Um, a lot of good songs on there, and uh, like I said, some funny, funny lyrics. Um, so it's just fun music that yeah, I was dancing around to and singing along with, and all that kind of stuff. And then Spotify told me last night that it was exactly five years since Bruno's um, Bruno Mars album twenty four K Magic came out. So I listened to some of it and was really digging it and dancing. Wow, that's trying out five some... years. Damn. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it says November seventeenth of twenty sixteen. Wow. And that's one I've never listened to all the way through. Um, I've heard some of his other albums, but that's one for whatever reason I didn't listen to. Oh, and Silk Sonic has Thundercat on one song. Um, he's a really good bassist. Thundercats, ho! <laughs> <laughs> So what else you got? Are you got anything else new? Um, not really a whole lot, just because there has been some stuff that I've wanted to dive into, like the Silk Sonic, but I just haven't because I kind of, I was really stuck on our like, our main topic today, diving into all of that stuff, and then even, um, I guess the Tremonti, um, Haunt, which made me kind of dive back into Beautiful Distraction, like the actual um, studio album stuff. So I was kind of like, I'd listen to an album, like a new one from a band, and then it would make me listen to the other one. So it kind of pushed back some other um, new releases. So I'll, Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll throw a little love to um, the new uh, release of Taylor Swift's redone her um, Red album. And I actually never listened to Red, uh, but I'm really digging it. Now that I am. Yeah, that would probably be if I had to choose a favorite uh, Taylor uh, Swift album, it would be Red. Because it yeah, seems one... like, oh, uh, sorry, talk over here. No, you go. It just seems like how I was kind of getting into her around 1989 and, you know, she had country stuff before that and then kind of evolved into pop and all that stuff. It seems like red is like a good mix of like all of her styles. Like it's got everything in that. Right. Yeah. There were a few songs on it that I knew that I'd, but I'd never listened to the album. And then I love the fact that when she really releases these, she does it with a lot of demos and just, um, even like collaborates with some new people on the songs as well. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really solid album. I'd never given a chance to, cause 1989 was where I, started and I never went back to the earlier stuff. I just followed each album after that. Um, and then the last I've got to throw love to was thanks to a documentary uh, that hit yesterday, I think, uh, on HBO. Uh, it's called Music Box, and they, there's going to be several episodes of it. But the one that came out yesterday was about Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill and how it exploded. And Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's a really fun one, and I love that it's got some old interviews mixed with a lot of new interviews with Alanis and then even Taylor Hawkins. Um, so, yeah, Taylor definitely addresses how um, 
he you know he really enjoyed touring with her and they got along great i mean you can tell from the um footage that they were really good friends but he'd hit it off so well with dave Grohl when they did some shows with them uh with foo fighters and then foo fighters you know the drummer was no longer there that taylor was like i've got to take my chance um at this so i i at least respect the fact that he did have like a face-to-face conversation with her it sounds like i know he had a conversation with i think it was face-to-face before he before he left he said still seemed to really hurt her feelings a lot but he he just i think he just knew foo fighters had more of his style he wanted to play and honestly he might have not been sure how long her longevity would be because obviously jagged little pill was huge but there's no way to know if that's going to continue or not yeah and like maybe he he could have more input in Foo Fighters rather than Alanis because that's her own, you know, that's her uh, baby, I guess. That's her music, and then her band's just kind of like, you know, uh, performs on it, you know. Right. Oh, no, of course. Yeah, she recorded the album completely without them, and um, or at least it sounded like that. Um, and she even said in a couple things that she didn't know if the guys might have resented a little bit that they uh, weren't really – well, they weren't named – they weren't because it wasn't like uh, Alanis Morissette and the Heartbreakers or anything like that. It was just her. And then she would take pictures with them and all, but like it wasn't, you know, wasn't listed as featuring Taylor Hawkins and the other guys. It, and she was like, yeah, cause I write the songs completely on my own. So I don't mean to sound arrogant. She's like, but it's, it's my baby, you know, it's my <laughs> um, stuff. So you could see how that could be a little upsetting or a little not upsetting, but limiting at times. But yeah, it's a it's a really cool one. I enjoyed it. So I was going back through that album and also the acoustic version she released a couple years ago of that album. Yeah, um, yeah, I have that too. It's like uh, I think it was ten years after uh, that. Uh, like she has a full acoustic uh, version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was twenty years after that. It's. Uh, oh really? Hmm. Yeah, the one well, the one I'm looking at is it's called Take a Little Pill Collector's Edition. It came out in 2015. Okay. Huh. Well, there is an acoustic album she had done before that that might be what you're referring to. Oh, okay. Sorry. That must be the release. Uh, yeah, there is a 2005. My bad. Yeah, because it looks like it's got more of like an amber looking color. Mm-hmm. On the cover, I mean. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I so uh, I was referencing the one wrong one, so I guess they repackaged. Um, no, I was just wrong. This is just uh, the re-release of the album with some new stuff. Yeah, it's 2005. But yeah, I, I listened to some of that um, and enjoyed that a lot. So I'm going to be doing a lot of deep diving into at least that album and the acoustic version because uh, I've dug the acoustic songs I've heard so far from it, um, which I always loved that album uh, when I heard it. I remember being uh, – I was a marching band kid, and we were on a trip to somewhere, and we would just uh, trade CDs and stuff and listen to them with our little personal CD players. And I remember one of my friends was just like, there's a good bit of profanity on it. So I don't know if that will bother you. I'm like, I don't care. Give it, let me listen to it. And so I listened to it and was really blown away with it. <laughs> it was really, it was really funny. Cause some of the stuff I listened to some crazy stuff on those trips. I remember hearing, and this is not a band that I like, but insane clown posse at one point on one of those trips and that is not a band i ever got into but alanis morissette was a nice discovery i had a really random thought earlier when you mentioned like taylor um um, hawkins uh was Mm -hmm. like telling alanis that he wanted to leave i wonder if he uh, referenced uh, the queen song 
want to spread my wings and fly away. <laughs> you know, there's a chance that he did because he is a huge Queen fan. Because um, I know he does the Deo thing at a lot of the shows. Yeah. Um, which is also why he was like, did you ever see the Wembley show that they have on DVD? I did. I borrowed it from a friend um, years ago, and I can't really remember anything specific. That was like the Echoes uh, tour, right? Echoes, Patience, mm-hmm. Grace, and that. Yeah, but I did see him a couple years ago in Chicago, and the Struts opened, and they actually did do Under Pressure, and uh, it was Luke uh, from the Struts and Taylor Hawkins like traded off vocals on that. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I was actually getting confused. It's Hyde Park, their show that they had uh, Queen come out with them. Um, I think it was Roger Taylor and um, Brian May because the bassist isn't active anymore. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, they came out on the Hyde Park show. The Wembley one was the um, Jimmy Page and um, John Paul Jones. That's right. Came out. Yeah. But anyway, that's all I have from new stuff. I listen to tons of stuff, but I don't want to overinflate this part of the episode. So um, <laughs> Andy and I talked about Stone Temple Pilots. We actually, a long time back, had talked about it a little bit, but didn't do any planning. And then Andy talked about the band on a recent episode of his show, um, or actually his guest did. And it got me like, hey, we got to do this. So I messaged him and we started planning this show. And so then it fell on where we uh, would do um, underrated Stone Temple Pilots songs, um, which is a great way to do it because otherwise it could be like a three-hour episode going through every ep- uh, album of theirs. Yeah, so thank you, uh, Corey Rizzoni, for kind of kickstarting our uh, STP discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very happy that he did because, yeah, it was fun hearing him talk about some stories of seeing – uh, Scott Walland, uh, I think he's, did he say he saw him with Wildabouts as well, or was it just, um, uh, the band he was in, uh, he was in a band called Burden Brothers and I guess they opened up for, um, Velvet Revolver way back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I believe he saw Stone Temple Pilots as well too. Um, I think he said when, um, uh, Scott was. Oh, no, he said he saw him on Tiny Music Tour from 96 uh, with Cheap Trick opening up. And then oh, I that's really cool. He said that he saw him on like the reunion when they got back with Scott after Velvet Revolver. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Stone Temple Pilots live? Sadly, no. Um, I was really huge into um, Purple in high school. And then, well, I'll tell you the, the other one later. But I was into two other albums really big in high school. But I, by the time I started seeing concerts in college, they just weren't a band that was on my radar of trying to see. And then once Scott left the band, I didn't have any desire to see them. Well, actually, that's not completely true. I, I would have liked to have seen them with Chester with them. Um, but, yeah, it just, just didn't happen. Because I don't think any of my friends are huge into them. Um, Russell was really big into like the first four albums, I think. Um but anyway, none of my other friends really talk about them a whole lot. So no, sadly, I haven't seen them. But I did enjoy watching um, their show from Chicago um, on their last tour with Scott Walland. Um, found it on Prime Video. The um, what was it? Uh, 
Is it alive in the Windy City or just live in the Windy City? Um, yeah, it's something in the let Windy me see. City. Yeah, let me pull up my recent thing on there and I can sell the right title. Um, I know the theater was the Riviera. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, it's uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Alive in the Windy City. It is currently on Prime Video through the IMDb TV add-on. So there's a few commercials, but it's a very good show. Um, Scott sounds great, um, and the band is just in really good form. Um, And one thing I didn't know until I started preparing for this episode, I didn't realize that um, the musicians have stayed the same through every, like from the beginning to end. Um, it's just singers have changed. Yeah. Um, cause I didn't realize they were brothers, Dean and Robert. Um, hmm. yeah. Did you know that? Uh, yeah, just cause I'm a geek and I look at all the liner notes and all that stuff. Oh, okay. Well, let's see. I still have, um, purple somewhere, but I don't know where the booklet is. And so I haven't looked at that in so many years. So that, I guess I didn't make that connection back then. Um, yeah. Cause so, I yeah. guess for me. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots, like I've always like liked them ever since I was really getting into bands. Like, yeah, like how you mentioned, I think high school, it was around. Uh, so I kind of came late, you know, like a lot of the uh, huge albums like Core and Purple were already out by the time I jumped aboard. But uh, they've always been a band that I would say that I never had a time where I didn't listen to them. Uh, but then over the last like maybe five years, I would say that they're one of my favorite bands because I guess I just gained a new appreciation. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what year it was. It would have had to have been um, at least uh, ninety eight or ninety nine when I actually picked up Purple. So I was definitely late. I knew a lot of the songs, but I didn't um, grab it right when it came out because I remember I bought it on CD and I didn't have my CD player until either 98 or 99, uh, I think 98. Um, it was a really cool thing that happened. I um, still was playing with remote control cars at that time to uh, get my dog to chase it and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and I put it on the other side of the fence and he loved it and my remote control car died. So they gave me a new one for Christmas and it died really quick. And we had like, uh, guess, um, some, I guess it was still under warranty or whatever. So we go to service merchandise um, and they barely had any remote control cars left. And then I'm like, Ooh, I could get a portable CD player. So that's <laughs> my remote control car became a CD player. Um, <laughs> and which was much more useful for me. Um, and yeah. So anyway, somewhere around there was when I got purple and got really big into it. And of course I heard the majority of core cause core was still playing a ton. Pro- hell it probably still is. Um, on classic rock anyway. So yeah, they're a band that I, I mean, I've always been aware of, or at least since, uh, mid to late nineties, but I go through spells. I've definitely never disliked them, but I just, um, somewhere in there, I kind of just stopped listening to their new stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll say I actually did, uh, see, them live twice um never with like scott but i saw him with chester and mm-hmm. uh jeff and so it kind of um leads me to something like i'd like to dedicate uh the conversation on some pilots to my friend luke 
who actually passed away earlier this year and uh like we oh, saw wow. uh um we saw Stone Temple Pilots together both times uh it's like 2013 um we um we went to a little club in St. Louis and saw them and then we saw uh, then with Jeff, they were here in Peoria, like downtown on the riverfront. And, uh, it was both, um, I guess both of them are really, really cool shows. And like the band was like uh, awesome both times. Mm-hmm. So nice. It was good memories with Luke. So for sure. Yeah. Sorry to hear for your loss. I didn't know he had passed away. Yeah. Oh, it, um, it was unfortunate. Um, it yeah. Had, Oh, uh, COVID. So, oh wow, okay. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I remember getting really excited when Chester joined the band, and um, I really dug that EP. Um, but then, sadly, until recently, I'd not given a listen to the two with Jeff on vocals. Um, because I think I saw like, um, some crappy YouTube footage. Uh, not of the new, not of them singing new songs, but of them singing um, old songs. And it just, I was being judgy, I guess, of wanting it to be Scott Wyland. And he's him. not Scott Wyland. Um, yeah, because I kind of see what you're saying is like how how they kind of left it maybe open to criticism um, a little too much because uh, when Chester and then Jeff both were, at least when Jeff started out, he had like white uh, hair and I think Chester had like red hair or it was colored. And it's like, that seems a little too much um, like Scott, you know, cause mm-hmm. I always associate him with the uh, colored hair. Oh yeah. Yeah. Scott was very um, notorious for having a different look on every tour. Uh, all the footage I've seen, he would do some crazy stuff yeah. with his looks. Well, yeah, it, to me, it just felt like, and I, I, now I listen to, the two newer albums, I see that Jeff just naturally sings a little bit like um, Scott on like at times anyway. But at the time I felt like he was just trying to impersonate Scott and that always annoys me. Um, I'm like, no, you just, I mean, yes, I'm not saying do something completely weird vocally on the, on the classics, but at the same point, don't try to be that person because you're not, you you know, uh, be your own person, Um, do your own interpretation of it. Um, So, I don't know, but yeah, like I just saw, I judged it too harshly based on like two songs and then just never went back to it until thankfully, I know a while back you'd mentioned it to me and I just never had gotten around to it. But for this episode, I did a ton of listening to every single album. So uh, there might be something from every album on this list, maybe something like that. Awesome. We'll see. <laughs> um, so we, um, I, I chose to make it 15 songs because I knew it'd be way too difficult to do 10. Felt 20 might be too long. Um, so did 15 underrated songs. Um, and But we are not going to uh, put them in order like of our you know, you know countdown because that would have taken me another two weeks probably at least <laughs> because it was hard enough. I told Andy off air, like I literally this week, I, I'd been prepared for a while ever since we mentioned it. Not that it was terribly long ago, but my list kept growing as I went through all the albums over and over again. I'd be like, no, I like this. I like this. And so, um, when I started <laughs> narrowing it down earlier this week, I was like, crap. Um, 
I would eliminate one song and add like two more. And like, that's not how this is supposed to work. I only kept mine to 10. I was going to add more because um, I had 10 like right away. And then I was going to add like five more, but I knew I could not decide on them. And I'm like, this is going to be too hard if I add more to this list because I'm going to play with it too much. So, but I can't, <laughs> I can't add five. It doesn't matter. I'll go ahead and start. Well, I, I'm just going to say them at random. Um, so the first one I'm going to mention is actually something off uh, Shangri-La Da. Um, and that is going to be, which song is that going to be? That is going to be Dumb Love. And it's just a fun, um, heavy song with a weird vocal effect. And that's one thing I love about Scott. Like, he's got a great voice, but then he does this really cool, almost like ominous, heavy thing that sometimes it's done with a megaphone, but this doesn't sound like it's done with a megaphone. It's just um, a really good heavy song to start out uh, Shangri-La Da. And kind of felt like it was a good pickup from uh, their album Four um, that had a lot of heavy songs on there. So I, I really liked Dumb Love a lot. Um, so I want to throw some love to it. That is awesome. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, with um, his vocals, and I was even going to say this later, but I want to say it now. It sounds like almost sometimes from album to album, he like sounds different. Mm-hmm. And he's got that like I can I can hear the song in my head. He's got that uh, version of his uh, voice, like which he did in like Velvet Revolver too. But then if you'll go listen to something like Tiny Music, he's kind of singing doing something more melodic. Then if you listen to the album with the peace sign on it, he's almost doing oh, some yeah. kind of southerny thing. And it's like he's 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 got like a style uh for each album almost. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah on the on on the last album put out the peace sign album, he definitely even channeled some David Bowie on at least two tracks. Um but yeah, uh I, I love the heavy um weird voice that he does um on some things and on kind of in the later albums i think four and five he uses it a little bit um so yeah dumb love i had to put on there it barely edged out another song from that album that are kind of has a similar vibe but i had to knock it out Hmm. i've got a few from this album in fact i could probably just i almost wanted to say like shangri-la-di-da the whole album and just have nothing but that (laughs) (laughs) um all right. Uh, so do you have any one you want to add to be 15 or do you want me just to do five and then you do the 10 down? Um, you can keep going. Yeah. Okay. All right. So a similar vibe um, is off of four and that is the track MC five. Um, being a drummer, it's such a really cool intro to it. And it's a almost kind of like a, a sparse sounding song when it starts out. It's just, um, really good drums and really good guitar, but um, it's just a jam of a song. It's really quick. I think it's a little less than three minutes. Um, and it's one that has a similar vocal effect uh, uh, that it just, I loved singing along with it and it just always got, got me. Um, uh, Cause like, I feel like the lyrics he wrote in five minutes and that's not, not a criticism. It's just kind of funny. <laughs> like literally the lyrics is no, you don't get it. No, you don't want it. No, you don't get it. No. Um, and then he um, goes to a kind of a chorus, but not really. She don't like the way she smiles. 
you don't like the way she smiles. And then, <laughs> yeah. son of a bitch, I know the itch. It's like I don't get it. No, try to get rid of it. You won't, but you won't. You can't get it. Won't get it. No, it's just <laughs> it's just nonsense. But with that um, fun vocal effect, <laughs> son of a bitch, I know the itch is running from here to now. Yeah. It's just it sounds cool. Good job. When yeah. you, Thank you. Yeah, when you use that voice, it sounds cool. So it doesn't matter that it's basically nonsense. But it's such a good jam that I have always gravitated that one. Like, I remember I didn't own this one for the longest time, but my buddy Andy, well, other Andy um, uh, <laughs> that I was in drumline with, he had the album and we would just hang out in his truck after school and listen to this album. And I would always make him play this one over and over again. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. Um, uh, so let's see, I accidentally closed my list and when I was looking at the lyrics, um, so I'm going to throw it back to an album that I've not mentioned before on this episode, and that is going to be core on this most recent listens. I am going to cheat. This is actually two songs technically, but really, I feel like one's just an instrumental leading into the other one, so they're gonna, I'm going to count them together. It's No Memory and leading into the song Sin. No Memory sounds like something that could have been on a Metallica class, uh, one of their metal intros or like the bridge where they'll do the little classical rock breakdown. Um, but it's such a beautiful and almost clean intro. And like I said, it's titled No Memory, but the song Sin gets really heavy and is a good rocker and it's one i'd forgotten about but this most recent listen like i just like the last five listens of it i was like this is really cool and it's not a single so i really wanted to throw some love to it because i've never heard this one talked about uh um i want to say i bought the deluxe version of core and it was kind of cool because they actually did that one live and they had no memory on there really okay yeah. I think that's on it's um so if you go to the digital uh version like the deluxe thing probably streaming you can you can get uh the full thing like it had it was like four discs if you bought like the CD version but all those were online and it's got the remastered album then there's demos and then there's like a bunch of live tracks and Okay. It was cool to hear like a live version of that one. So that would have been from that tour, probably when that was yeah done. Okay, yeah, because like I know the footage I've seen, I've definitely never heard that, and definitely the show I referenced earlier, that song was not on there. So, but yeah, it's a it's a really good song, um, and I just love the vibe. And like I say, that kind of minute and a half, really, what it is is an intro. That's why I combined it. Uh, no memory is really cool. Okay, so now I'm, I've done three. So I got two more to go. All right. Um, I'm going to go with Huckleberry Crumble um, off of, isn't that the Peace Sign album? Yep. Yeah. Um, to me, it makes me think of 70s Aerosmith. Um, just the feel of the song and the guitar work. It's really, really cool. Um, and so I had to throw some love to it. I was really enjoying it on my most recent uh, listens. I had kind of joked about that one in the past because the name just – Sounds kind of pretentious, but it's funny. Like it's not funny. It's it's a fun song. Um, so I had that I had to make my list. Man, I'm 
Um, um, I'm impressed. You're uh, really pulling out some good ones. Yeah, I to to make mine truly completely underrated. I went with the rule of uh, no official singles because if I when I left the singles in, my list was huge. Um, so uh, there were a lot of songs I appreciated that weren't singles, and um, there were several singles that made it to my list before I realized that they were singles because. Um, since I wasn't listening to some of these albums when they came out, uh, I wasn't really f- aware of what was singles at times. But yeah, uh, that, I, I liked I like a lot of the kind of um, deep tracks. That's uh, always been a thing for me on a lot of bands. And so the last one I'll mention before Andy joins in with his list is going to be Tumble in the Rough. Um, that's off of uh, the third album, uh them blanking on that tiny music and it's just a fun rock song uh kind of seems kind of uh kind of a sparse song to begin with and then it just grows into something really good um but i really liked it and it's um what i wanted to throw some love to yeah it's kind of got the same almost vocals i think if it's going through my head right as like you had mentioned uh, MC5 and like Dumb Love. He's kind of doing that kind of thing on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe I'm just addicted to that <laughs> vocal thing. But um, yeah, I, um, I really like that one. Um, so now that we're, we'd be down to number 10, what, what would be your 10th one you want to throw love to? Oh, man. Uh, well, how you mentioned uh, you excluded all singles i actually have maybe half my list might be singles almost okay uh but my one rule was i didn't have anything uh from the first two albums core and purple because those are so heavily on the radio and they're like so heavily ingrained in people when you mention stone temple pilots so i sing of those albums so i'm like oh well maybe they're not as like underappreciated like even though you had like sin and stuff or you could probably throw in like you know cracker man or something or i thought about throwing in lounge fly mm-hmm. but um but i was just like nah i'm just gonna do away with those two albums and focus on everything after that so i guess okay. i'll go with um my first one to single out is i'm gonna go with one from shangri-la because that's what i hit uh pretty heavily and it's a single it's uh days of the week Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just love that song. It's so catchy, and um, uh, I don't know. I just it's just something about it where it's one of my favorite songs overall. But I felt like it's kind of underappreciated because it's kind of on on those later albums, and so you don't really hear anybody really talking about like Shangri La at all. Hmm. So. Yeah, just off my memory of it, and mainly just because I remember Russell making fun of it, I, I threw a joke at Days of the Week, but then listening to it lately, I'm like, okay, no, it's not the best lyrics in the world, but it's a good song. Um, they're a band I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, but at least on a lot of this stuff, I don't think the lyrics are that important. As Maybe that sounds pretentious, but like I just, I think for me with them, it's the vibe is more of what I go for. 
Yeah, because I can kind of agree with that because like when I'm getting or when I was getting into rock music, I wasn't really focused on the lyrics. I was just focused on, you know, the music. And if only thing really about the lyrics or the vocals was if it kind of uh, flowed with the song or it's or it just uh, the voice just sounded appealing. So I think that that's kind of what Scott was maybe doing, too. He was just kind of going with the vibe of the song and. Mm-hmm. I think even like what like Anthony Kiedis with the Chili Peppers, his stuff doesn't make sense, but at least <laughs> it flows with right. the music. Right. So sometimes you don't always have to be deep. Right. No, I don't. I really think with a lot of vibes, the music's much more important. I know there's some, you know, like singer songwriter stuff, lyrics are more important, but um, I don't know with this kind of music, it doesn't feel like that's the most important part. Um, so yeah, that one's good. That, uh, that one didn't make my list, but it, um, it was definitely, I can say it was a contender, but it's definitely one I have a new appreciation for. Um, okay. Let's see which one I want to go with next. Um, I'm going to go with tomorrow. Um, it's a strong Chester song. Um, and, uh, it's not as, catchy as a couple of the other ones but it's very good and it's i wanted to throw a little love to it um i I really listened to it this last time i like i appreciate all five tracks so it was really hard to narrow it down um yeah it seemed like uh it was only five songs and i guess that's kind of all they had like time for i think because chester sold lincoln park and they just wanted to put something out and have it ready to go with him in the band. But um, Mm -hmm. I think, I think all those songs are good. And I think he really fit well with the, um, with the sound and everything. He, he does. When I first heard the idea, I didn't think it would work because I was more focused on his Lincoln Park style of uh, scream vocals. And he does that on a little bit of the stuff, but not the same way. It's more just baritone rock singing. Um, And so he fit really well. Yeah, I think I just forget sometimes, and definitely at that point, I had forgotten that he is such a good singer because I just, <laughs> I just think of the early Lincoln Park stuff on a couple of the songs like "Crawling" and um, one of the others. He's just screaming the whole time, and I'm like, that, I don't want that vocal on Stone Temple Pilots. But no, he was very underrated vocalist, I'd say, for his flexibility and, um, uh. I don't know. I can't think of the proper word, but just he had a lot of range. Um, I'll I'll throw another one out there from like uh, my list. I had one of those uh, songs, "Black Heart," which was also mm-hmm. like the second single. And right. um, I know a lot of people were very critical of like Chester at that time, and I was like, I was like a fan, like right away. I was like, oh, holy cow, that'll be kind of cool. And then I became like, I think more in favor of him as the time went on and uh it was only two years he was in the band but after uh seeing um him like live with them uh there's one thing i like and how we're doing this underappreciated songs thing it seemed like you know uh some bands when they're on tour they have they stick to their hits and they i guess just like their set list is just focused on that or maybe what they're hitting from the new album and with Chester, 
uh, in the band. I don't know if it was just him or what, but they uh, threw in some deeper cuts. And so I don't know if it was maybe him and his his favorite uh, songs that he added, but they did like Pops uh, Love Suicide. And I was like, oh, nice. Oh, holy cow, they're doing this live. And then later I went on to Setlist um, FM or whatever that website, and it, it said mm-hmm. that that tour, that was like uh, the first time they did that song uh, since it had initially, uh, since 96 or something like that. It was the first time they did it live since maybe 96 or 97. And I can't think of the other song, but they did another one. Uh, from that era on that tour that they hadn't ever done before. Oh, nice. And I even remember reading at the time, too, uh, that um, he actually said initially, I think in like 2000 or 2001, uh, when Linkin Park was coming out and he was doing interviews with the band, you know, or whatever, or like as a member of Linkin Park, and he said his favorite band of all time is Stone Temple Pilots. And I guess he said one day I'm going to be the singer of that band. And then it was like 12 years later, he was. so Nice. Yeah, That's really cool. I guess I already appreciated him, but him just being like a fan and, you know, being in uh, – it's kind of a cool story for that guy to go from a fan to being in the band. I mean, who doesn't like that kind of story? Right. That's really cool. Um, I remember around the same era, too – People were getting ahead of themselves and they're like, oh, they can have Stone Temple Pilots and Lincoln Park tour together and then he can just do both. And he's like, guys, I can't do both. He's like, I'd blow my voice if I was (laughs) doing two sets a night, (laughs) Um, especially as hard as he screams in some of the Lincoln Park stuff. He's like, no, they will not be combined. (laughs) It's like I would I would blow my voice very early in the tour. Um, And I imagine so like I. I don't sing properly, so I blow my voice very easily. Um, but I can only imagine like doing at least an hour and a half set um, every night would be hard on the vocals, much less doing three hours if you were doing two bands or whatever. Like I think there's a reason why that doesn't happen. Yeah, I think you just triggered uh, some kind of memory, or I remembered something. I think even Miles, from something I noticed before, that he only does uh, two days in a row and then takes a day off. Whereas some bands, you know, they do three or four um, nights mm-hmm. and then take a night off. He purposely does that to rest, so he doesn't want to overdo it. Right, and he won't do a lot of interviews generally because he doesn't want to strain his voice, period. He tries to rest his voice a lot, um, or at least a, I remember uh, one of the DVDs he was talking about that, that um, – He's like, no, I just have to, you know, that's my main instrument. He's like, yeah, I play guitar, but the most important instrument I have is my voice, so I have to preserve it. And then he's like, oh, a lot of times on these tours, um, we're going to get sick at some point, so I've got to postpone losing my voice as long as possible. And I remember they po- were picking at, um, Brian Marshall because they said typically he was the first one to get sick on, <laughs> on the tour and then spread it throughout the band. But yeah, I remember I saw Alter Bridge in 2014 and um, he must have um, blown his voice at one of the shows or at least strained it because I remember after like 12 songs, he had to start and he apologized. He was like, I'm going to have to throw to y'all a few times at the higher parts. I'm, it's either that or I'm going to have to cut it short. So he had to do that a little bit. Um, well, what do you got next for your next um, okay. FTP song? Let's see. Um, let's go with one that's not a hit, but I know it's probably gotten played a lot of places. I actually thought it was a hit. Um, but, uh, 
I love it and don't hear it much anymore. So it made my list, and that is Silver Gun Superman. Um, has one of those heavy and memorable guitar and bass grooves, and it's just really catchy. Um, so I don't know why it wasn't a single. It feels like it would have fit in well with the singles. Yeah, that album, like, you could almost choose anything as a single, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just love that album so much. That's, like, my favorite one from uh, that band. So. Oh, it's it's mine, too. That's why um, I spent so much time with it, and it was why I remember standing in Walmart with my 12 bucks or whatever it was I had at the time, and like, okay, I can only get one of their albums right now. Which one do I want? So I remember, like, going over the set list over and over and over again and following my, okay, let's go with Purple. So what do you have next? Um, I guess I'm going to go back to Shangri-La because I got a few from there. And uh, Black again uh, made my list. And I really okay. like uh, the intro. Like, I don't know if it's syncopated or what you'd call it, but that drum pattern, it's like ba-doom, boom, ba-doom. And then the guitar almost has like some kind of, it's got some kind of descending thing, you know, where it's almost like, it sounds like the guitars are going one way and then the drums are going another way. And that intro, just that song is just so awesome. Mm-hmm. Nice. I think with Stone Temple Pilots, for sure, like I didn't always look at the lyrics, but that's one where I never really even paid attention to what the lyrics were on this song. And I realize now it's like a love song. Oh, nice. Okay. I definitely wouldn't get that from the title. Um... Or it kind of sounds like, I can't remember the lyrics off the top of my head, but he's like talking about, how he's like basically there for some lady. Okay. I took it as a love song. Nice. Well, I have another uh, another song from that album I want to feature, and that is going to be Hello, It's Late. Um, that was one that really stood out a lot to me the last few listens through the album. That actually as... made my list as well. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's I was wondering one of my if we'd favorite overlap. mellow yeah. Scott songs uh, and that really grabbed me. So what yeah. is it about that one that stands out to you? He's got some really echoey vocals that are kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, the first, I don't know if you got this feeling, but with that album to me, it always seemed like uh, it was like two halves or something. The first half is like kind of like, kind of uh, like number four, where it's a lot of like in your face, modern rock, you know, Hollywood bitch or dumb love mm-hmm. and stuff is all in the front half. Then it kind of goes into this kind of tranquil kind of, you know, almost like a melodic vibe for the second half. Right. And so sometimes even when I was first getting into it, I didn't really like that as much. I'd only stay with the first half and then I'd kind of like turn it off. Right. But uh, but um, I don't know. Now I feel like the back half is just as strong as that first half. Nice. I looked up on Wikipedia just to kind of um, look at this album. And I don't know if maybe it was from this uh, a thought process or something, but when they pitched doing another album uh, to their record label, they wanted to do a double album, and, and the record label was like, and eh, no, don't do that. Maybe it was for the best, because some of those double albums, you know, they get kind of bloated, and this was more concise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of double albums just end up letting me down. One of the only double albums I can say really delivers for me is um stadium arcadium by red hot chili peppers i felt that was um yes some very bizarre songs but i felt it was 
the majority of the songs I thought were at least good. Um, but yeah, a lot of bands I'll put out a double album and it's like, no, nah, at least half of that's very forgettable. <laughs> so actually, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to finish our list. Don't go away. back for some more discussion of stone temple pilots and underrated um underappreciated songs so where would do you want to go next andy um i will go to um, i don't know um i'll just go with the most <laughs> recent album uh i think it's perdita mm-hmm. and i do have um one from that album uh that really like stood out and i um, it's called Miles Away. Okay. It's on the uh, a second side of the album. And it kind of stands out to me um, the most out of that album because it's almost got – I don't know if this is actually how to describe it, but it's almost got some kind of Russian-y type uh, – like flow to the song or something. Mm-hmm. It sounds – it sounds very distinct in that regard, and I think there's some like a violin or like strings on there. Right. It's very different. Um, yes, I will say. It was it was the runner up on that album for what what was going to make my list from that album. Like I, miles away was so close to making it, and um, I actually thought of the term for it the other day, but I did not write it down for whatever reason, so I can't say what it is. But yeah, there was there was definitely a very interesting vibe to it um that sounded familiar to me um um yeah i do not know the word to describe it so i don't know it's just it's very unique something but but it sounds like something else yeah yeah it's got violin in there i it very softly it's um i did notice one thing and to me it seems like and this might mean nothing to anybody but it sounded like it was like in three four time, whereas most music is four four time. It's mm. kind of like a uh, oh, it kind of had a waltz feel. Yeah, like, waltz, uh, waltz. That's yes. Yeah. Uh, I knew it would come back to me, <laughs> but yeah, as I listened to it, because it's you can kind of uh, see but, people dancing or something mm-hmm. to it. That's exactly like, what I thought when I heard it, I, and so I, I, me doing my little nerdy band kid thing i was actually directing it and that was when i realized oh it's three four it's not four four Hmm. like the majority of music is um but yeah it's got a really cool um percussion thing i think it's a tambourine on that um but yeah it's a it's a really good song Uh, that whole album just blows me away that um they just said the hell with it we're going to record something completely unique um that's unlike anything else stone to mopalitz has done before and there's like flute on the album um, I'm outside of Jethro Tull, like I haven't heard flute, um, on albums. So yeah, it's, that's, that's a really good one. I like it. Yeah. This album, like when that came out, it came out like right before the pandemic, like early 2020, like February. And I thought, I guess I took it to be, it was just going to be like a stripped down album, you know, uh, they were just going to 
uh, do acoustic guitars instead of electric guitars. And so I was thinking it was going to be something different. And then they even announced I was supposed to see them around that time in Milwaukee. And they were going to do an unplugged uh, tour. And uh, I think um, uh, Jeff had like separated his shoulder or something. So they canceled it. It wasn't uh, canceled because of the uh, pandemic. But at first, I didn't know if I was going to like this album or not. Because, yeah, there's violins and flutes and all this different stuff. It wasn't what I expected, but now that I've had time to sit with it, I'm like, yeah, like they did actually experiment with it instead of just doing mm-hmm. straight acoustic. Right. And I like that so much better. I've heard so many bands just not reimagine songs or do very different. It's just like literally just let's play this on the same way on acoustic. And it's just like kind of feels lazy at times. Um, so, yeah, I, li- I like the vibe they went for with it. Um, the song I picked off of it that finally made my list was um, Years. I thought that was really pretty. Um, and I think that's the next, the track right before it. Yeah, yeah, because um, that's on so, the second side. Yeah. But yeah, with this album, I really fell in love with Jeff's, Jeff's vocals. And I'm like, okay, I, I appreciate that he's doing something um, so different. Uh, with this and he's not at all trying to do a scott wyland era or even a chester era yeah you know um with years i think is that one where he almost sounds like chester let's see yeah because i think there's one song in there where i actually did like a double take or i had to go what this sounds like chester singing on it and i think it might be that years uh uh song i'm not hearing it this time but my, maybe so um maybe i'm but yeah, a different song. yeah i just uh it, i it at one point four of my tracks or four tracks from this album were on my list um but i had to narrow it down so anyway um so i went with years over miles away but I, miles away would have been the run is the runner-up um, what would you call that if you're coming up with underappreciated songs and you have a bunch and then you only choose one? So those are even more underappreciated things yes. that you didn't include. Extremely underappreciated. <laughs> like a sub-level of yeah. extreme. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like all the sub-genres of metal and stuff we can do okay, with <laughs> underappreciated songs. Um, sadly underappreciated. <laughs> um, uh, all right, so let's go with another uh, one. Let's see, uh, since I went ahead and gave one for my list as well. Uh, what you got? Um, you had mentioned um, one from uh, Tiny Music, and it was uh, Tumble in the Rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll go with the closer song, uh, Seven Caged uh, Tigers. Mm-hmm. That's one where I didn't really like it at first. Uh, but now it really stands out, like because uh, uh, they reissued uh, Tiny Music over the summer as like a deluxe version. Like they're going through all their albums now and doing 25th anniversary deluxe things mm-hmm. where it's got remastered album. And they'll throw in like a live concert or something, and then like a disc of like demos. And 
I really like refocused on that album because Tiny Music, it always kind of felt like really weird to me. Like I never really knew if I actually liked it or not. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this album. But Samesies. That's exactly how I've been most of my life. Yeah, but now I actually, I think I do kind of got more of an appreciation for it and especially that song. For sure. Yeah, um, I, outside of the uh, Big Bang Baby, um, and I had dismissed most of this album because it was so unlike or uh purple that and it definitely unlike the one that came after it for that i just didn't know what to do with it but yeah listening to it for this one i just had a new appreciation for it uh yeah even um uh rizzo Corey, we mentioned who i was talked to and he kind of sparked uh the uh kick-started um the discussion for this episode he had said over the summer uh, that Tiny Music is his favorite album of theirs. Oh, wow. Okay. And it kind of surprised me because I'm like, really? More than Core and Purple? Because everybody seems to go to Core. But I think he said that back when I saw him in June. So it was before um, the remaster came out. So that's why I was like, well, maybe I really... I wanted to buy it anyways, but now I'll kind of go uh, really deep into it and kind of, I guess, dissect it or something. Right. So. Nice. All right. Let's see. What have I? Uh, okay. Next I'm going to go with is Army Ants off of Purple. Um, I think that's a fun rocker. It's very energetic. Um, starts kind of slow, but it gets very energetic and it's just fun almost kind of has a psychedelic vibe with the guitar at some points but i really really like it i think that's near that's like one of the last tracks on the album so it's kind of cool how they throw in like this big rock song like that at the end i don't even think it was a single either it wasn't um it could be it definitely could be um So what do you have next? Next? Um, hmm. Which one do I want to go with? Because I don't know. I'm getting down uh, to the final few, right? I think so. Um, you had already uh, mentioned, I believe, uh, a song from number four, right? Yes. I did um, with MC5. Yeah, was MC5. the one I went with. <laughs> this one, I will go with a one from number four uh, that made like my... Um, list for this episode and number four was the first it was the first album that i bought as a fan when it was like new or whatever. Mm-hmm. and uh um it really stood out there's a lot of songs that stood out from um i think no way out was a single that was one of the first ones i remember hearing mm-hmm. i saw the video for that then he had down so it was like this really modern rocky um, um album well, like mine that made my list is my favorite song on this album. It's I Got You. So Nice. Okay. Yeah. It seemed like a big departure for everything else on that album. Mm-hmm. Really good vocals, too. Like, I love his voice on that one because it's a very clean, um, uh, I would, what, what term would I give it? Um earnest kind of performance like it really seems like one he took some time with and 
probably did actually spend a lot of time with the lyrics and everything. Definitely at least to the vocal delivery with it. I don't know. Um, excuse me. What type of a style you would call it, but I really like the guitar solo on there. It almost sounds like a country song. It's like bum, 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 or something. I don't know. It's got some distinct like <laughs> tone to it. And it's, mm-hmm. it just, it sounds like a totally different flavor because how we're talking about how Scott always has a different vocal style. It's like, you really can't pin those guys down too much either. They're not, they're not just that modern um, rock. They got all this different influence and stuff. It's like a melting pot of stuff. Right. Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to go with an one from four as well, but mine's going to be one of your in your face ones. Um, Heaven and hot rods. Oh, cool. um, yeah. I thought that was a really fun, straightforward um, rock song from the album. Um, also has some very interesting vocal effects from Scott, but like, I, I just, I love it. Um, I think that's like the second or third track on the album, but it just, um, it's a great vibe because it starts so heavy with down. I love down. Um, and then yeah, having hot rods is too. So yeah, I just could not put this one on the list. Um, uh, speaking of number four, uh, that's something mm-hmm. where uh, the second time I saw him uh, was with Jeff in 2018. And I actually, I got a set list from that show because that was my goal. It's like, I want to, or I guess to rewind, I felt like I was dragging Luke up front with me because I'm like, I want to, you know, get up front, be on the rail and try to get a set list. And he was like, he was right there the whole time. I remember he got a guitar pick, I think, from like Pop Evil or something because they were one of the opening bands. But mm-hmm. I dug out the set list, and I remember this. They did uh, four songs from number four, which I thought was cool. Uh, they did um, Glide, Atlanta, Down, and Sex and Violence. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was cool that they kind of threw in a lot more uh, from that album. Because I think they always do Down, but I wasn't expecting the other ones. Right. Gosh, I've still got the guitar part for Heaven and Hot Rods just going through on repeat <laughs> in my head. Um, I feel like that ever since you met, uh, mentioned Army Ants. <laughs> yeah, that that one I listened to a ton this week. Um, never trying to get rid of it, but it was just, um, yeah, it was just one I was really stuck on. All right, I'm going to go with one from the 2018 self-titled. I'm going to go with Guilty. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, I thought that was a really good one. Um, it's one that I felt Jeff was just doing his own thing, uh, but it's definitely very much the band's Don't Temple Pilots. Like the, the musicians definitely have kind of one of their typical grooves, but it's, I don't know, I, I, just one that stood out to me that I – there were several on the track, on that track, on that album that almost made it, but that was the one I'm like, I got to put that one on there. That was one where, um, how I said, like, I only did like 10 songs because I couldn't decide on anything from that album because it was like, at first I was kind of disappointed, but it's just a solid rock record. And sometimes you don't need anything more than that. You just need some kind of solid, um, um, rock album. Right. 
and yeah, like I liked uh, what it was a roll me under that was a single, but I mean, like I, I like that one. I like uh, when you mentioned guilty, and then they even have some kind of ballads on there that are pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to narrow anything down from there for me, though. Right. Or what? What next one do you have? Um, I will go from one of the later albums. Uh, the other uh, self-titled, um, and uh, or I guess the peace sign album. I've got Cinnamon on there. That's nice. my uh, favorite one from that album. I guess that was a single, but I didn't. I didn't even realize that until I was writing down songs for this list that it was a third single, and I thought there were only two. Right. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just like the repeated like guitar. That ding, 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 thing it kind of keeps like repeating in that song. I just like, I just like it. It just is like how I said some of their songs. There's stuff that's just very pleasing to your ear, and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Andy, I've got an idea. I think we're gonna tour together. I'm gonna sing. You're gonna make guitar sounds with your mouth, um, and I'll play drums as well. Um, I guess we'll have to get somebody to, or we'll get like a keyboard to pre-program the bass part. Yeah, I think that'll work. Or we'll try to get Paul Rudd and have him do <laughs> have him do bass for us. <laughs> Slap with the bass. Um, that would be very wild. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, well, I'm going to go with the track off that same album. I'm going to go with Fast As I Can. Oh, thought cool. that was a very fun one. Yeah. Um, trying to find my did i write anything about it i want to say i don't know if you wrote this down but i want to say i think i remember reading that that was an earlier song from earlier in the band's history and they um used it for that album i think it's oh okay yeah well to me it just felt like a gem um from the last album that scott was on and i I just really liked it um i don't have a lot to say about it sadly but i just thought it was a good song um and was very glad I went through that album multiple times. So something different would grab me each time. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you originally... Didn't, um, you didn't have Bagman 15 times, like you said? <laughs> no. <laughs> I laughed so hard because that Chicago show, they play Bagman, and I was just like, nope. Mm-mm. Not doing that. <laughs> Bagman, honey. Bagman, sugar. Dude, it is no. catchy. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah, but I think you can say a lot of things that are catchy. It doesn't mean they're good. <laughs> oh. There, that's my one mean dig. I'll give it them. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Um, so what do we have left? It can't be much. It feels like. Um, I'm down to two. Okay. Let's see, I've already done Dumb Love, MC5, My Memory. Let's build my second page. Ah, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm down to two as well. Um, let's go with uh, Still Remains off of Purple. Um, thought it was a good rock song off there. Um, don't really have a ton to say about it. It was just one of the non-hits that I felt could have been a hit still. Man, I'm drawing a, I'm drawing a blank. There's something I probably would have said about that, but I'm just like, I'm like, what? I don't know, like, I think my brain just shut off for a second. 
Oh, it's okay. Mine's done that like four times during this podcast for some reason. Um, sometimes I say the name of a song and I know exactly what it sounds like. Other times I'm like, crap, I can't think, I can't place it. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a good one. Um, isn't it? I think, I think I have what, uh, sounds like still remains going through my head, but then I'm not sure if I'm mistaking it for something from Shangri-La, but some of that psychedelic kind of, uh, sound I think is on that song. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I just like Shangri-La so much that it just, <laughs> it's just bleeding into everything else. <laughs> right. But they definitely do kind of have a style like that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, this most recent listens, I've just really started really appreciating Dean as a guitarist and how he's just always got a good feel on every song, whether it's um, a hit or not. It's just really good. It so seems like, ne- yeah, Dean has like the something. He always has those hooky kind of hooky kind of guitar stuff but then robert he's always got like i was trying to look at all the like who wrote what and it seems like some of robert's credits are always like they're really more like mellowy uh jazzy songs or something oh wow okay but um my uh next to last is um it was only on the uh uh, thank you compilation uh the all in the suit that you wear oh okay i just absolutely love that song and uh it's one of my actual uh favorite songs from them uh but i feel like it kind of is underappreciated because maybe because it wasn't on an album or something i know it was a single but you don't even hear like that on the radio anymore it always just seems like core and purple get uh hammered into your head right or something and everything else is just kind of everything else is kind of like non-existent almost Mm -hmm. and that's one of those things where he's got that kind of like uh like it sounds like it's still in the same space as those rock songs from um shangri-la too nice that was one i did not listen to because i didn't listen to the thank you compilation but uh uh yeah, so that's one I'll have to spend a little time with after the show. I want to say um, I didn't I didn't look it up, uh, so I could be wrong, but I want to say just because like I've read so much about these guys and like I've got the albums and I always look at the liner notes. I think I think that song, uh, "All in the Suit That You Wear," they wrote it specifically for that first uh, Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Oh wow! Uh, but but okay. it didn't like make the soundtrack or something like that. But like, I think all in the suit was like supposed to be a reference to like Spider-Man and stuff. So they were trying to work that in, I think too. Interesting. Um, well, I mean, you didn't have room. You got, um, uh, you know, Nickelback and saliva singing together for hero. I mean, you gotta, <laughs> what, what other room do you have? Yeah. See, I think that I want to say that that's what they were, maybe in contendership or something for they were trying to be the theme song for the movie. And then Mm -hmm. like the producers or the studio went with uh, that hero song. And so they're like, Mm -hmm. Nope, we're not even going to give it to you guys at all. I think 
or something. They just right. take it back and use it for themselves. Well, yeah, Nickelback was blown up at that time, and saliva was already popular, so it kind of makes sense that yeah. some to Apollos probably didn't have the same pull that they did just like five years earlier. Um, yeah. yeah, if it had come out late 90s, I think Stone Temple Pilots would have won out on it. But yeah, at that point, um, How You Remind Me was everywhere along with um, whatever saliva songs that were click, click, boom and stuff. <laughs> Always and stuff like that. I don't know if Always had come out yet by then, but whatever. Yeah, well, like um, Silver Side Up, I think was that mm-hmm. Nickelback album that was blowing up. Yep. Yeah. It's actually a solid album. I, I actually like that one. Um, I know they get a lot of crap and deservedly so on a lot of it, but um, <laughs> but I actually really like that one. All right, um, so to finish I'll out- agree with you though on the Nickelback. Sorry, that thought kind of came out like delayed, but yeah, like I'm there with you on that Nickelback album. It it was pretty strong and still holds up. Yeah, it really does. Um, their Canadian stuff was good as well. Um, I just, unfortunately after a while, it's just like, okay, I'm done with them. <laughs> um, so to finish out my list, I didn't mean to go this heavy on purple, but I did cause it is my favorite album of them, but I'm going to finish out with pause for dramatic effect. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> lounge fly. Um, it's just such a bizarre song that I've just always loved it. Um, it's kind of cool that it's, I think, track three on the album. It's like you get two straight-ahead rock songs right before, and then you do this really mellow grower of a song um, that is Loungefly. Yeah, that guitar intro is so cool, too. And I think they even use part of that for like some kind of MTV bumpers that or something like before the guitar kicks in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like that, like open. I think it might be slide guitar or something, I think on that intro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, man, that song is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is slide guitar. Uh, I just, I've always thought that was so unique. Cause, um, that is definitely not one I'd heard on the radio before purchasing it. So like I knew the major hits, but that was one I was not expecting. And so it's always just been one that I'm like, I, I love how unique it is. So what is your last one? What what do you finish with? My last one is one that, uh, oh man, um, it's going to Tiny Music uh, for this last one. And it's something, it's in the same vein as Bagman, where this song was like so ridiculous and stupid that I like hated it. And I like, I hated this song. And then like just out of nowhere, something where it, it's one of those things like a bad action movie where it's like <laughs> so bad that it becomes good or something like that. It's it's weird. And I'll just say it. It's Art School Girl. I knew it was going to be Art School Girls. I'm looking over the track list and I'm like, that is one of the most bizarre. Got a girlfriend. She goes to art school. Yeah. Got and then it's like four or five times. I told you five or four times. <laughs> oh, my God. That is that song. I forgot about that. You part. See, because it's, it's so <laughs> stupid. And I'm like. How we were talking about like lyrics, it's just like what the hell yes. is going on here? <laughs> but now I just absolutely love it. And that's something that's a good memory with Luke because I would kind of text him back and forth a while and I was like, Man, I hope they do uh, um art school girl when we see him on tour and he's like, No, that song's terrible. <laughs> and he'd be like, I hate you. 
how do you how do you like that song? Because that's something where uh, we both liked the same bands and stuff. We both kind of liked the same things, but we were like polar opposites of those things. Like even like liking pro wrestling was how we became friends. And he was more the high flying stuff, and I liked uh, the complete opposite uh, style. Like I almost like the southerny uh, brawling style where they call it hosses or whatever. I like that end of the, um, wrestling spectrum. And it's like, he like, it's just, we like the same things, but we are just complete opposites. And then even, uh, when we saw, um, uh, stone temple pilots together and we were like up in the front uh, for that 2018 show, there's one moment where, you know, the bands they're changing out their guitars or something. And so it was like, very like a quiet for like a split second and in that split second i yelled out play art school girl and i yelled it like real loud and luke like elbowed me and he goes robert must have heard you because he chuckled do you really (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) that is so weird lyrically i told you five or four times i know five or four times And then I think it almost uh, sounds like it winds down and goes five or four times, five or four times. <laughs> you know, I wondered if that would be on your list because I remember you made some kind of joke about it at some point. Um, if Bagman had art school girl or something. Yes, like that. I think that's what it was. <laughs> um, so wow, I, that's cool. We did not really have a lot of overlap. I was, I figured we would a little bit more, but. Um, yeah, like I'm kind of surprised too, but I'm glad because yeah, there's mm-hmm. so many good songs. There's so many good songs, and then there's so many of these that are like overlooked that are just completely good. So there's like a wealth of stuff to choose from. There really is. Um, one I wanted to throw a little love to because it's so bizarre um, is the closeout of Purple is uh, my second album, Song All Lounge, <laughs> yeah. singer style, the second album. Twelve gracious melodies worth listening. Hope you enjoy them. And it's just so bizarre. <laughs> um, Even that kitchenware and candy bars. Like, mm-hmm. if I was going to choose something maybe from Purple, it would be that one because I don't know. Like, it seems like all of their or like a lot of their albums, the last uh, tracks are almost kind of like longer, or they do something. Uh, different at the end like i think atlanta is the end of number four and i know some Mm -hmm. of my friends really like that one and then you got uh the seven cage tigers or you got the kitchenware candy bars one and i think um where the river flows was that at the end of core yes it seems like yeah they throw the most experimental kind of different one at the end which is kind of cool like i think a lot of bands do that anyways but they seem to kind of repeatedly do that Mm mm-hmm Another one I That's like, uh, I guess that would have been a single, or I don't know, maybe it's just hit in concert all the time, but I like Cracker Man or something. Mm-hmm. And that's one I didn't like, but then how uh, you had mentioned uh, the Alive in the Windy City. Like, I think he does a megaphone on that. He does. Um, I didn't realize that one was actually a hit, but I always liked Cracker Man. Um, but yeah, he played it on that show, and um it was on my list until I was narrowing, narrowing down. Yeah, because I think that that's something where the song never really uh, 
it didn't stand out on that album as much, you know, listening to it. But then watching that concert, I was like, oh, I kind of like how he does that. Nobody else really has a megaphone like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Our Lady Peace later copied that um, and did that on a little bit of stuff. But yeah, he's got just such a unique voice, uh, especially when he does it that way. Man, well, that's all I got for STP. But like, I just absolutely love, love, love this band so much. Did you have any honorable mentions you wanted to throw in there? Uh, I guess just yeah, that kitchenware and candy bars and mm-hmm. um, even like I guess Cracker Man would kind of be one. If I was going to choose other stuff from those albums that I right want to hit. Well, for me, one that was on there until the very last minute was Coma off of Shangri La Da. It's such a cool, heavy part, but then I can't figure out what instrument's going on in between that. Almost, maybe it's like a record scratch thing. I'm not really sure, but it's very bizarre, but I liked it. Yeah. yeah um, like, man, that whole first half of the album, though, is like an in-your-face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I have two from Perdita I wanted to throw some love to, and that's Three Wishes and the title track Perdita. I thought those were just all beautiful. Um so I was, yeah, at one point I had four Perdita tracks on there. I'm like, okay, I, I can't, they can't all make it, but I definitely <laughs> wanted to throw a little, a little more love to that. Um, but that was pretty much it. I, I think it only got up to like 20 something songs at one point. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can start coming up with some rules to narrow it down further. I think with that Perdita, when that came out, I did buy uh, the vinyl but I really mm-hmm. wanted to, I remember even coming home from work one night and I was like, right after it came out and I'm like, I, I want to kick back and just listen to this album with headphones on and try to take in all those like sounds. And it, mm-hmm. it's a good album for that. Yeah. Like it was a good experience just kicking back on the couch and just sitting there and listening to that album with no distractions or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listen to most everything with headphones on because um, I, um, at work, when I have some downtime, will listen to music. And then at home, if I'm busy and around, instead of just blaring music where I can only hear it half the time, I just throw on some headphones and enjoy it throughout the house. So, I guess that's one thing that I never really do because I'm either listening to music, like I guess I do have headphones on or um, earbuds at work or something, or I guess we have a rule where you can only have one in mm-hmm. or I'll have them in when I'm jogging. But then, yeah, if I'm uh, usually listening to music at home, I'm always like, you know, folding clothes or I'm doing something like cleaning up and doing something. So I'm always distracted. So that's why I was like with that Perdita, I'm like, I'm actually going to sit there and just absorb this thing. Cause sometimes I don't always do that. Right. It's hard to do. Like I, I have a hard time just sitting still, um, unless there's just something I really enjoy on the TV. So I, I can definitely understand that. I'm almost always multitasking. Yeah. Um, sometimes not very good effect at all. Um, my friends used to joke. They're like, "Yeah, you consider that multitasking, but it just still takes you double the time. So why don't you just do like one thing at a time?" Because like they'd see me brushing my teeth and doing something else, and at one point I just stopped moving the toothbrush because I'm using my left hand on doing something else. And they're just like, <laughs> it's like, this makes no sense, David. Just go back in the bathroom and finish brushing your teeth. Are we separated <laughs> at birth or something? Because sometimes I'll do that too. Like I'll be like brushing really? my teeth, but I'm like, well, 
maybe I can sit down and I can put my shoes on or something while I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just don't because I got, yeah, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if that's the best example, but sometimes I'll walk around and I'll grab stuff. Like I'm getting ready for work while I'm brushing my teeth. Like, okay, here's my keys, my phone, blah, 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 blah. Right. There's, there's plenty of things that I wonder if, like, if we're um, somehow brothers secretly and didn't know it. Because um, <laughs> we definitely have a lot of similarities. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It was a lot of fun going through Stem to Violets and coming up with a way of not just going through every album. Because, like I said, that would have taken quite a while. And I would have, I don't know. Um, it's just fun to kind of come up with new ways to do some episodes, themed episodes and everything. So, um, uh, I don't know quite what the next episode is going to be, but obviously I'll be back next month with another album or another album, another, yeah, another episode. Um, this was episode 39. We just finished last month at, uh, Marching in Time by Mark Tremonti album review. Um, so once again, uh, reach out to me on, uh, Twitter at Sunday underscore groove underscore or on Instagram at Sunday groove dot Lillo. Um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode or new ideas for episodes. Heck, even maybe just a segment on the episode. I don't mind throwing something new in there. So just um, give me some ideas. Give me some feedback. How can they reach you, Andy? Um, I am uh, mostly on Instagram. Like, I'll just scroll that a lot. Um, my own personal one is at Fists and Guitars. I took uh, that handle from a great affair song called Fists and Guitars. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a podcast, A-Sides, and that is at A-Sides Podcast on Instagram. And I usually post, I try to post episodes every other uh, Monday. Nice. What do y'all have next coming up on A-Sides? Next up, we're actually recording uh, tomorrow. We're going to be talking about um, guitar heroes or guitar gods. Nice. Um, And like uh, sharing our favorites. And then I've got an interview too I'm going to post so it should already be out um, by the time this is um, out. But um, I talked with Freddie uh, Herrera, who's in Everclear now, and he was in the XEs. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was really, really cool to talk to him, which is another uh, Corey Rizzoni, uh shout-out because he actually kind of encouraged me to talk to that guy or uh, seek him out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you, Corey, and thank you, Freddie. And then thank you to uh, David for having me on here uh, to talk about Stone Temple Pilots. Oh, thank you for joining me. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, I'll throw another shout out to Corey. I was so glad when he started talking about Stone Temple Pilots that made me reach out to you immediately and be like, hey, let's do something with that because that just got me right back into them really, really hardcore. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening. And I will catch you all later down the road.
to savor the essence. 